0: This program is brought to you by Haymarket Books, as part of our live event series. Haymarket Books is a radical, independent publisher dedicated to connecting social movements with the ideas they need in the struggle for a better world. You can help support the Haymarket Project by buying books at haymarketbooks.org and especially by joining the Haymarket Book Club. By joining the Book Club, you get all new Haymarket titles delivered to your door. And a fifty percent discount on the entire Haymarket website, all for one low price. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and the Haymarket YouTube channel to access all of our upcoming events. If you really want to help us out, rate and review the podcast on Apple or whatever platform you're listening on. My
1: name is Dana. I work here. Celebrating Janika Williams and the we'll launch of American stage. So, buy the book, get it signed, we're going to have a little reception afterwards. But without further ado, I'm going like to introduce our amazing speakers tonight. So, Janika Williams holds an MFA in poetry from Northwestern University. Her poetry has been published in Prairie Magazine, Muzzle Magazine, and Gulf Coast. Janika is also a Pushcart prize on the and most importantly to me is an amazing Haymarket staff member, Jason <laughs> Gertziano, <Thanks> for a production of And we are really thrilled that Jake will be in conversation with Kimi Olazzi, who is a poet and culture worker from southeastern Wisconsin. They're the author of Against Heaven, which uh, just came out from Grey Wolf Press. Uh, selected by Claudia Rankin as winner of the Academy of American Poets' first book award, and co-editor of the Echoing Ida collection, which is from Feminist Press, from 2021. A work appears in The Atlantic, The Nation, Poetry, Boston Review, and many other publications, um, and they've been supported through fellowships from Civitella Ranieri, McDowell, you can tell them that oh, I'm so sorry, <laughs> I <totally laughs> that, McDowell, Tin House, and Pink Door. They also currently live in Chicago. and We are very blessed to have two fabulous Chicago poets in conversation and sharing their amazing work with us tonight. So without further ado, and we'll turn it over to our speakers. <laughs> 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 uh, this is going to be so much fun. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I know. I'm so excited.
3: <laughs> it, it might be
2: as wild as this book, but I don't know if I <laughs> but, um, this evening. Um, should I launch into a poem to get us yes. started? That would be yeah. awesome. Yeah. But just one, because we need to make sure that Janika takes all the time. To <laughs> to make the so I'm going to do one, and then I'm going to turn it over. Um,
4: I had to read
2: this poem because I see such a kinship between our two collections, that I, and I want to talk more about that today. But I just have to, in the spirit of American <clears> sex <throat> tape, get us started with a poem called How to Fornicate.
4: <laughs> <laughs> One.
2: After killing your god, pop wax the gun smoke. Cough out any vestigial prayer. Remember that spooky shit Old boy is mid-smite, bullet out, curling away? It's true. You belong to the fire now. Two. Lose your Bible, book of napkins to fold so the hungry busy their hands. Stop circling garden gates for scraps when a harvest with their hips. Three. Your booty a whole altar call. <laughs> <laughs> Sickle-pitched hallelujah, blessed queers were born screaming become the most honest song they will ever sing, or the worst, or both, or never mind. Four, when street preacher rebukes broke eyes, TV after-school specials your mouth, Adam tweets, cut that nappy-headed rib splint, snake primes the bite and you die inside, say, my own, my own, my own, my own. Alto the mulch, mezzo the flies, base your bed, mountain tell hotel. Six. Disenchant the talismans of gods you love and leave. Spit flesh back to wafer. Left swipe eyes you caught and kept. Feed them to the crossfire, blood rewarming. Seven. Remember Genesis. The worlds and little deaths you build with gesture breath and hands. Silhouettes that singe the walls with new maps to salvation. Till even the floorboards buck and cry, Jesus. Even the windows blush and say amen. amen. <laughs>
3: I always start with the the cento at the beginning of this book. Um, I kind of call it my thesis statement. If you really want to know what we're getting into in this book when we're talking about. the kind of fiery, tumultuous relationship that we and myself have with America and American popular culture. And so, we'll start with American Sex Cento. (laughs) I hear America singing, you are the one. I am lit for the whole boatload of sensitive bullshit. An artfully placed penis swung from the end of a rope like a flag. Mossy and bumping, bare of logic, red. I love you flesh into blossom and empty evil, devouring all in haste, destroyer, builder. I'm totally into strapping on the belt of dynamite and helpless trembling bondage. The free, who said the free? Not me. I never understood desire until I felt your hands around my throat. You may stand upon me, but do not hide your face. Can't find what you can't see, can you? America, the beautiful night is about to blow up. When the apocalypse comes, so will we. (laughs) It makes sense to me, it's like logic in my head, that um, sort of trying to perform an autopsy or critique of American popular culture starts with Kim Kardashian, and that's <laughs> where this book started. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't make that much sense anymore uh, um, as, the, as the project evolved, um, but the, the book, um, the kind of skeleton was built off of these kind of... Uh, persona poems are, are direct assaults <laughs> of language at, directed towards America's favorite product, um, but also a mother and a former, uh, formerly a wife and person, Kim Kardashian. Um, so I'm going to get into "People Are Dying, Kim," um, which is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> "People Are Dying, Kim." You get it. People are always getting themselves room, and my God, especially these girls, killed over on spring mattresses, pressed from behind, guts distended with stars, but you despise waste. A diamond earring lost to the ocean equals exactly one exquisite head, her mouth plastered shut. The damn girl is all good. You've worn the difference between death and dying, throwing deaths, cocaine white belt over your shoulders, cancer dissolved your father. So are you not supposed to mourn everything, starve your guts to pay debts or drink a Detroit tap? Someone has to enjoy God when he finally arrives. See him, a stripped vulva, shine with SPF 30. See him foaming and swirled in your lover's mouth. See him sunk his thighs and brined fingertips. See him stitch through the ears a sunken treasure.
1: Um, I don't
3: know if anyone hasn't asked me when I've talked about, oh, this book kind of started with wanting to write about the Kardashians. No one's ever asked me who my favorite Kardashian (laughs) is. It's Courtney, so, oh <laughs> Courtney, yes, <laughs> we have to, I wrote the poem because I was like, Courtney had it, she's got the line, hold oh oh. oh. <laughs> This next title um, comes from a direct quote from Kim Kardashian, get into it. There's a lot of baggage that comes with us, but it's like Louis Vuitton baggage. You always want it. <laughs> <laughs> I pray for my maids. Their gods have more debt than my god. My god has more favor, more sense of healing. Do not misunderstand. I, I take. Ugh, let me start. <laughs> let me jump in. <laughs> I pray for my maids. Their gods have more debt than my god. My god has more favor, more sex appeal. Do not misunderstand, I take time for myself, burning my silk sheets one thread at a time. I call the president and I ask if money corrupts absolutely. I chew TV noise and I eat expensive corpses. There is a particular way in which men are hypnotized. Click me, press your hard thumb to my lips or to You think you've burned a cross in my forehead. You think my various holograms are possessed, fucking the camera's brains loose. But honestly, my spare time is spent focusing my energies on not disappearing. I count the pixels of my breasts. I tolerate my reflection. I sweat the calories from my heart. I buy my corset and coffin wholesale. I give shit away. I let my husband serenade my vagina. I sing lullabies to my children. Long after they have faded, I edit the martyrdom. I remove the cameras from my home. I invite cameras back inside. I leap to the lenses. I thrive. <laughs> black Venus. When a black woman starves, she eats the fat of my ass, dips her core bread and the oil pressed from my pores. My table stays set for famine. Well-nourished in body, my nipples point north to a vigilant God from which the manna reigns. She asks, why some women are born last and so far from God? But I say my truths come dream. L.A. wasn't built in a day but on a wax million-dollar vagina. Mouse claim they never had a blank girl like me, and I let my glitters flatter their beards. White girls say when I go blind, I'm like a whole other ethnicity, so exotic like some pets and dancers. I forget that black women have happened to me, Mm -hmm. and men and sex have happened to them. But sister says more, more of that. My skin, the new black. My Venus is a Persian rug on collection. Dreams, Jesse, and die between my lips. Center of the universe. Told the bell, who wants to dine (laughs) first? I've been thinking about it a lot, because I <laughs> I remember finding, like, the idea for it very strange mm-hmm. and odd, because um, I wanted, I was imagining, like, a day, like, Kim Kardashian wakes up and, like, loses her mind, <laughs> and um, she loses her mind in the best way, as in Kim Kardashian wakes up and she comes into class consciousness. <laughs> 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 Sort of imagining sort of, how that would go for her. <laughs> this world is not good, especially to Kim Kardashian, tender as an egg, crying, her mouth a busted yolk. We eat her roasted placenta three meals a day to heal the heart shaped ache in her belly. She asks if there's too much beauty in her diet. She imagines her kidneys growing eyelashes, polished fingernails. Why are the appetizers the shape of bullets? Her meals fluttered or moaned once, having no fear. She sees the sea bass wink before her chef lops him in two. She wonders aloud, should apocalypse come, will we try to eat her? What color does starvation come in anyhow? How many loaves of bread can we break from her body? Will famine reduce men to their essential salt and semen? What makes some women all steel, bone or chagrin? Won't she become Gossamer, our last mother, to suckle in teeth? How many licks does it take to get to the center of her soul? The world, regrettably, is poor with explanations. If the end should come tomorrow, Ken concludes. I will give them just a little taste of my pain served only on air dinner mm-hmm. plates. Um, I think um, it's also sort of um, and we can get into this later, it was a big kind of craft learning exercise for me at Northwestern was so many of my mentors at Northwestern in the program wanted to turn in the book in, the book, in which um, there, there's a lot of him, but where is you? Uh, where are you at? Um, where does it become less sort of satire and you're kind of incorporating yourself into that? It's kind of weird now looking at the book. I kind of see it too. obviously where like The, the camera lens turns, yeah. you know, if there's me um, in response. And so kind of leaving Kim behind a little bit. Let's see where I want to go here. Ooh, I like this one. <laughs> the, the title of this poem comes from uh, Derek Austin, who is also an um, amazing poet. Now that I've survived, when does living begin? To my knowledge, I have not slept with someone's husband. As like a Taylor Vaughn in Camelworth, a straight A student, intellect like another chain plus in the debt ceiling due to my mythic endurance, one can liken me to an onyx marble slab central to a tax funded memorial garden waxed over with smears and gnawed gum. My eyes stoned into eternal reverence for this haunted earth. It is never enough to cut my screens in my hands. The neighbor's toddler always startles, bolts into peals peels of his own hunger. It is never enough. I deserve to inherit more than wind, more than Budweiser farts rolling over the amber waves. What I'm saying is it's time to buy a gun? And yoga In order to restore balance to my life? I'm rubbing every amethyst in this white lady's crystal store, all her good shoppers and good scents depleted in a sneer. With certainty, I'm unable to claim that I exist or if I'm a shade in the corner of someone's racial imagination. Every master closes his eyes to dream of me and blankets of snowy static just fall forever. I thought I should have died. Miserable miracle, benediction, enough good earth left to pull up over my shoulders, seal leftover clay and mold a future with which I can indict the American empire on my mother's name. There's a one bedroom cottage downtown for me, a toy dog leaping from my basket of sumo oranges. Pissing on a suede ugly boot by the door. And I'm smiling at a cum stain on a 1000th thread count bed sheets. Soon death is vacuuming my rugs. Over the blare of Stephen Wonder's horns, white men buried under my house yell, bending the kitchen tiles with their actions. I am a good girl, despite pin on a blue ribbon. <laughs> It's important. <laughs> it's not that important, but it, writing some of these poems, it was important to me to remember something my mom always says is, like, she'd rather be a smartass than a dumbass. I mm-hmm. was <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I'm also trying to be a smartass in some of these some of these poems. But, uh, um, I think that was a, a good way to sort of enter kind of the critique of American culture, critique of how I respond to all of these different elements of our cultural experience. Um, um, I sometimes, let's see, sometimes I do this in the middle of reading where I don't like what I chose to read. (laughs) I I decide, right here, if I want to do it. Let us it, like, three more, maybe? And then we'll start talking a little bit. So this Nothing Is Promised, which was inspired by the my more native Rihanna song, um, which is an important song to me, because sometimes I, I do. Um, this is kind of a, a tweet thread. Oh, God, Twitter. But <laughs> thinking about this song and thinking about sort of the idea of black women indulging in capitalist excess um, has always kind of fascinated me. Sort of that position of um, race and money, and are we even allowed to enjoy it? But nothing is promised. I'm a rare native now, eating sushi north Northside, turning my white lover boys out. I know only one mantra, one song nothing is promised. Your bitch is acting brand new watching this roach send the French press eating his crumb like I was not him but face down on the hardwood my spirit small smaller than the passive chrome nothing is promised. And these white boyfriends I hope they find better green and blush and warm Someone messy and when she spreads her legs when she opens her purse Forced to my knees, a rapist palled my skull. Suddenly, me, suddenly me, he whined, and there I was, nothing. But now I put money in the ground because men have so much of it. I put money in the ground because I have not enough. But fuck money. I put it to bed. I put it to death. Watch this bad bitch, a black bitch, toothy, wiping red from her slick Moorish mouth with hundred dollar bills. I love to see it. I love to live inside that camera's orgasm. The joy in her nihilism thrills the ape in me. Why do I desire to view her sinking newly-won fangs into something still convulsing with the pure breath of promise? We paid with our carcasses. Cocky, unruly. Ain't none of us perfect. I hope it was worth it. So let the white ladies draw their children and wallets into their stomachs as we stalk the edges of your screen. Yes, we could make change for you. No, we're not sorry that all our bills are glossy with your blood, viscid, freshly spilled. Mm the old has passed away, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The new me means to be new-moneyed. Everything I've ever claimed, for it I died, which is to say my flesh is labor. The muscles of my back fan like wings, the rings of my neck open to low-wage toil anew. A valve in my heart opens its palms, burns up. Grows in replacement whenever my man sows his seat on my ribcage at the end of the workday. Everything that ever touched me is mine. Newborn brain cells curse the sum of my electric bills. Blood cells freeze in my swollen feet. I inherited the silhouettes of Jezebel or Mamie, but I'm still big booty trendy. The new me has replaced a haggard model that was too concerned with having a light skin. The pro- this prototype of me does not understand the old body's rape. Winces as if I describe some small critter struggling against the grip of some weaned breed's talons on the National Geographic Channel. This prototype can't be duped. This new me does not refurbish memories, but her onboard glitches now and again. Her tarstick shell quivers at the rememory of slave ships tossing on the choppy Atlantic. Textbook etchings of my extinct selves chained throat to throat by force at the mouths of muskets and men. All these knees, waterlogged, eyes aflame with disbelief at the bottom of the middle passage. I'm sorry, America, but I'm rich in baby oil and paperback novels only these days. So finish paying for me with what is meant: No conditions) <laughs> girl doll is no longer a slave. Um, that title comes from a poem by a Precious Overlord. The gates are flung. I dog the bones. Worming gardens for sour fruits to drink. Sticky stimulants in the new throes. bussing rocks with my teeth. My throat growing longer. A crane I beat. My flower has changed her veins. Arteries of a map. The only out is through. The trap, the mouth, the navel. Sons of the union, having made me post-existence, anything can become me. I am hives, blooming red across your chest, a memory, a shock of spring sympathies iced over, half monster from the train tracks, slicking her fleas, slut, skank, sphinx, Medusa, Madonna, mammy. With the right conditioning, you believe I can show you who you are in a more perfect union. Had you just known, remained cautious, cautious, you would have smelled me coming. I cradled your acute skull, slid my knife between rib and breath, the horror of my perfection. I got you. I double danced, two caked feet, little myths, prophecies from a tapping tongue. Now I did. I understand what liberty had always known. I'm Mm post-post-colonial. Sentenced to casually die, for I'm forgiven. This last poem is kind of like my favorite poem. Mm -hmm. Uh, It means a lot to me. I wrote it sort of in the middle of a dark time, and I was kind of, like, inspired um, mainly by the idea of, like, writing mantras or writing good notes to yourself, and so I hope that when people read this particular poem that sort of closes this, um, this book, um, they kind of take it as, like, inspiration that, like, you will see another day. It's kind of boring. <laughs> I, I think everything's boring. <laughs> so I don't listen to me, but you are listening to me. <laughs> Since I laid my burden down, I eat like I got Beyonce shit to conquer. <laughs> I grow my eyebrows furiously. I look at fucking and my genitals are not too cold or too hot. I feel as if I belong to myself, and I deserve sweatpants. I dream longer now since I've set it down, dream Christ blew a bunch of black girls' goodbye kisses I clenched his farewells in my little fist. I practice repression, folding to my knees in the afternoons, serving an invisible crotch, one day called to serve at a man's zipper, and he won't know my name or eyes. My God, unwind your ideologies from around your ovaries. You will not be buried twice. Be both thirsty and the flood. A full cloud cells pissed rain for days, whoever drowned was collateral. I don't set names to anyone or anything anymore. I just roll back into the sea instead of my usual rage, uncaught and dreaming. Just want to be Taylor Swift tomorrow. There'll be money, won't there be? This book like started the seed of it started so long ago like 2016 and so now it's um, and this is um, I was talking to Megan Steelstra who's amazing Chicago local um, and she was like the book's no longer yours you've had it for like six years it's no longer it scared the hell out of me because I was like oh yeah right people can read it people can and read it and you know you're you're kind of by yourself and sometimes poetry is a solitary effort until you know I, I was in the MFA program and then it became little bits and pieces of it being shared in workshop and things like that. But I feel um crazy. I do kind of regret it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Hearing you begin to talk about one of the central obsessions or the, the kind of like gate to this central obsession, who is Kim Kardashian. Um, I, I learned a lot. This the note section. Uh, <laughs> yes. really are uh, talking about Kim Kardashian. One of these figures who you kind of, um, if you're not directly engaged with, you learn about against your Will and it sounds like uh, your research began from a point of um, kind of positive obsession, not necessarily negative obsession. I would love to hear about Kim Kardashian as an entry
3: point to talk about uh, American um, sex culture. Um, actually, it's I would say almost like an oddly great obsession. It was hard to kind of um, figure out for myself when I was writing it. Um, why I, I was obsessed and wanted to know more. I mean, it, it, I mean, I used to watch like, TMZ like, trash celebrity gossip shows with my mom, and, and she, she's everywhere. But there was an abundance of what like, kind of ugly feelings that came with thinking about just celebrity culture as a whole, but Kim Kardashian, especially because at the time that I was starting to feel like, I think I can write something satirical towards um, Kim Kardashian's media personality, um, at the time, she was getting in trouble for, like, cultural appropriation, she's wearing braids. Um, I think she, like, commented and her, just had their first baby. There's all this, like, messy, murky stuff about um, not only, like, her capitalizing on her sexuality, but what does that mean, the sexuality for black women who she appropriates. There were so many sort of um, threads to tug on, and at the time, it felt very fun to be, like, Ooh, I'm like kind of like satirizing this person who's never going to read any of this. Um, but it, it really was a kind of, um, you talk about guilty pleasure, but there was some lot kind of also just guilt in, in a strange way of, um coming into my own like trying to figure out my own self-image as well. It's like you, you look at Kim Kardashian or any kind of celebrity model, you, you want your body to look like that. You want their money. And um, and, I mean lifestyle is like the big capital right now. Um, and so to, to sort of start writing poetry, but it was almost laughable. I got into Northwestern's MFA and they were like, oh, what, is, what are you writing? What is your project? I was like, oh, i right <laughs> 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 And they're like, what are you going to devote? Any like poetry what we consider one of the high arts, you're going to devote to something so local. I think that's almost a point. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, having her um, as his entry point into the book is um, very strange and very odd. And I, I feel almost like shy about it right now. It's like really, like <laughs> okay, we're kind of over her now, aren't we? are we not? It seems like maybe she lost some
2: of her cool because this book was coming out, right? <laughs> <laughs>
3: I want to talk a bit about the,
2: the tone in this book, the satire, the humor, the, uh, and um, uh, I want to talk about that alongside your feelings about the subject matter. As I'm reading, I, you know, the, the book is in these two sections. Mm-hmm. There's this kind of observable um, subject where this tone is clearly um, kind of a. Um, uh, there is the, the love of the gaze that's cut in mm-hmm. the uh, cynicism of the, the humor, the yeah, yeah. satire, right? And then that tone does continue as that camera mm-hmm. lens turns then towards a speaker, and then mm-hmm. is uh, uh, alleviated a bit at the end by what you mm-hmm. call tender, but it still has so much of that
1: cutting by that humor in <laughs> it. <Yeah. laughs>
2: and um, the, your way of the lyric feels like it is uh, operating Where it can provide some distance and any intimacy between the the subject of the poem and maybe that eye who's um, uh, uh, carrying this obsession. And I I, I want to think about that alongside your your own curiosity around him as a subject and your own reluctance to bring your eye in here. How does the lyric help you? Uh, move forward through the, the the gaze of uncovering your subject while also giving you maybe like a different project, a lyrical project to preoccupy yourself so that you can feel this uh, <laughs> or move. uh that's a long completed question but I I'm I, I, I so struck by your tone as uh, 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 Some
3: type of um, distance from that. Uh, <laughs> right. um, <laughs> I, I kind of see like my tone um, in the way I approach these poems as trying to be um, kind of hinted at it earlier, being a smart ass, but also yeah. sort of an agent of chaos. And part of that is um, sort of my own. Um, kind of love of say like Morgan Parker she's yes. hilarious she is a very funny poet and she can and, and what's so brilliant really about her poetry and something that I really admire and really wanted to explore in this in this book was she can be biting and then self-deprecating and then moving to a kind of tenderness towards towards her thesis um, I think it's brilliant um, and I wanted to work in a kind of like, dark humor but also being always conscious of in, in my head conscious of a camera conscious of the the looker and, and being looked at in those things those are all kind of um, kind of walls in a strange way to get into that kind of more personal um, element to it and it was hard I think the the emotional part of of that eventually turned that camera to myself I, I never feel quite to I get to the point where I'm completely naked on the page. I have to kind of cover myself, and that is a lot of times in humor, and trying to sort of bite down and trying to um, frustrate the reader a little bit with, you know, a the side, or um, non sequitur or, or um, those are kind of artificial tricks in, in a way um, that I, I can't let go of. But I, I think that um, being posed uh, the kind of same question of like, where are you in the poetry that I got from, you know, Simone Manchin, Ed Robertson, and, and all and all my kind of mentors that I requested, that was very scary. Because it, it felt like they were asking me, stop being funny. <laughs> like, stop, stop trying to be funny. Stop trying to be like kind of like, and, and stop doing your little tricks and, and getting there. I think I never quite successfully um, meet full tenderness. There is like a love poem in here. <laughs> There's, was like one. It makes no sense. I should have edited it out. Um, but even then, I feel like I was just trying to be like um, always, kind of trying to. Um, With the reader, trying to get them to look one way when they should be looking at another, and maybe that's sort of detrimental. But I also think it, it, the the collection starts to mean multiple things to me every time I read it because I'm I'm seeing my own tricks and then I'm thinking about well, how is the reader um, seeing the the speaker of the poem now that they've gotten this far and you know all the kind of funny games are out of the picture because there are very kind of like biographical elements in some of these poems and it's like well how do you go from trying to, you know, satirizing being cynical to now kind of talking to your own experience um, with, you know, money and sex and your own sort of personal image as a black woman coming into black woman adulthood. Um, Those things still kind of taught me a little bit. <laughs> it feels like there's unfinished business sometimes. Um, and maybe those um, more tender poems out of some of the once you know you wipe away some of the kind of uh, more kind of biting seethingness mm-hmm. to a lot of these poems. Um, but it's also if, now that I think about it, I, I understand like tone can be so important, it can wear weird. <laughs> I can't imagine you know um, reading 80 pages of just like seething like mm-hmm. The system—it's um,
2: phenomenal. Though. Um, and I want to say that it feels like a way. Uh, the, the tone feels like oh, um, uh, it can be an entry point to a subject of, uh, to subjects that people don't perhaps want
3: to have a tender feelings with.
2: Um, so not to say that tenderness is—tenderness never has to be the end goal. We don't have to arrive at this cathartic place. Right. Right. But i think it's your collection is so successful, because that Tone does set up a bit of an antagonism with the subject of the reader, mm-hmm. um, which to me really successfully turns the uh, mm-hmm. There's a filmmaker who talks about um, uh, operating in different registers, mm-hmm. like uh, long shots, so that um, mm-hmm. the audience starts to get bored or start to experience things that they're not used to feeling in our entertainment mm-hmm. industry, in our Michael Bay, like yeah. And that allows the, uh, the audience to go back into their body, right. to, not right. just to get yes. yes. locked to the page, but to, to do that type mm-hmm. of check. And I found myself in kind of reading your collection because of this uh, toning that came throughout. There's a way in which I am noticing my discomforts, noticing mm-hmm. what I'm trying to avoid. There's a way I'm in my own body in a different and um, it stays with me. It stays with me after I finish the collection. So I just want you to die. I don't think you ever have to dive into the
3: tender in order to be effective at You tender know, that. that's good to hear. Yeah. I, really towards the end of the finishing, I was like, oh, man. I didn't leave any room for tender. I got to slap like some love stuff in the middle. I thought that discomfort true. is almost the point from the beginning.
2: Um, there's, I love your opening and closing lines um, for a couple of reasons, but first I just want to um, name them. So the first line is in the, the center, I hear America singing, you are the one, and then <laughs> it closes with a poem, and I'll read the last two lines, um, just want to be Taylor Swift tomorrow, there will be money, won't there be? Yeah. And <laughs> I love these two lines next to one another because um, and, and, and I feel like it ties to the um, conversation we were just having about maybe like a, a defying an impulse to <laughs> take a turn. Uh, I feel like it, uh, this book maintains this idea of who is allowed, kind of, uh, power and access to, um know, who retains the and Giggs, yeah. who gets lost to it, and mingled in it. Um, and so I wanted to, um, to me, I, I want to hear more about what you consider the turn in the book, because it feels like it starts to make a turn, and then it comes yes. in, like, <laughs> just, just kidding, nothing's <laughs> <I'm> <jail." laughs> changed, So. First and last lines, uh, do you consider your book, that outside of that camera lens, turning to the self, um, do you consider your book, uh, the long poem of the book, having a bit of a turn? Or uh, are you trying <laughs> so to
3: maintain the same argument throughout? I'm trying to maintain the same argument throughout. I cannot remember for the life of me um, now. And I feel terrible because I've learned so much in English literature classes. Um, of a kind of um, poetic trickery of making a statement and then immediately taking it back. So you're always keeping your reader on their toes or kind of purposely contradicting yourself within you know, the same stanza type of thing. I think there, I, I would love to say, like, the, the turn happens for me and, and possibly for readers may maybe different. Um, there's a, a poem called um, I'm Not the Queen of the Selfie, yes. which is um, sort of all smack up in the middle of the collection. And in which it's, I think that's sort of one of the, the only kind of serious addresses of like me and Kim Kardashian in conversation. I really wanted that poem to be, okay, like now I'm kind of leaving the this, this sense of like I'm leering at Kim Kardashian, I want to leer at something else. And that leering ends up becoming myself. Um, but it's also never a full turn, I think, because I still have a bone to pick with like America and culture, and, and the way that um, popular culture has made me feel negatively about sexuality or sex and and power. Really, um, I think it's kind of funny um, thinking about it. Sort of the. This book in itself, I'm wrestling with, like, playing with the pleasures of having power. Um, That struggle never turns over to a winner. I don't think, you know, the speaker of this poem, myself as a poet, um, Kim Kardashian herself, I don't think anyone's liberated. Mm -hmm. It's always a struggle um, to sort of get from under the gaze of any kind of powerful institution or powerful idea, just the idea of this is how you make money, this is how you um, present your body, this is who you're supposed to be, racially, gender-wise, um, um, class-wise, um, it's always a wrestling. And so when I think of like the camera turns and points at a different subject, but the the rules of the game change. <laughs> There's still Nothing is one. It's still this kind of battle, um, wrestling with these ideas and how I personally feel about them. Sort of trying to indulge in um, what I can't have. Like I want to be the bravado. I want to have the confidence of say, Kim Kardashian or someone with the right, someone with the right type of body. Um, those things don't happen for me. That final kind of two lines and uh, since I lay my burden down is kind of. Uh, <coughs> to me, sort of reads as a kind of like, well, <laughs> um, one day there will be, at the, the end of the, the rainbow, there will be that kind of um, finally becoming um, comfortable mm-hmm. with myself and my beliefs, and, and being comfortable, unfortunately, in this sort of cultural system that we're in. Um, that's kind of like a, a downer. you don't want to be comfortable, you want to be a revolutionary, um, but I, I thought it was more realistic to be like, well, you know, maybe I'll just keep hoping the Swift one day, or insert any summary. But I, I do think in, in that particular closing poem, um, in spite of sort of the, the beginning uh, of American Sex, i which opens, and it's very much a, a poem about um, the abuse, kind of struggling with the abuser, and, and being sort of How captive in an unfair relationship with America, I think by the end, there is this kind of like, when you're here, you're held captive here, in this kind of cultural muck, Um, but you're not dead, you're not drowned yet. You're, you know, you're uncaught, you're still dreaming. Um, That's sort of, um, maybe the turn never happens in the middle of the book. it happens at the very end. and sort of that sort of my reality now, kind of coming back to the book as, as you know, as I've been like doing interviews and things like that, coming back to it, it's like there really is no turn to the barrier. <laughs> there really is no kind of like okay, all this struggle, what for? Doesn't um, really happen um, for me personally. It happens so of just being kind of like well, yeah, that's like, You still survived. Um, take stock of that. I
2: hope that comes across. <laughs> Absolutely, and I do want to not to not to bring my my favorite T word, but we want to talk about tenderness. I uh, to me it entered in the um, ways in which this subject of ridicule largely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um uh Kim Kardashian is not simply slammed in the poem that you're talking about that kind of divides the right. uh uh <laughs> Kim Kardashian the same on ass and talent for fits of mourning. morning. Here are those um this other speaker and Kim collapse, and in that way, of kind of tenderness enters um, uh, for this figure that um, it would be so much fun to just yeah. out throughout the entire video. <laughs> um, so I, I, um, before I turn it over for audience QA, I just want to ask you some more questions about the structure of this work and the process of uh, putting it together.
3: First, what was the oldest poem in the book? What's the first one? The first one in in the oldest. poem in the book is um, "This World Is Not Good," which, um, yeah, that yeah. I wrote in twenty fifteen. I think in Gigantic Sequence published it. Great book indeed. Pick them up, Gigantic Sequence. They have like ten sequences. That's the first book. But that's the oldest. That's the oldest poem in the in the book. Um, and then I ended up, you know, sort of towards the end of um, the MFA program, while sort of still writing and, and, and also editing and trying to think about Shabashi, felt like, ooh, I gotta start hiding, like the old Kim poems because I'm no longer, like, she started to bore me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my, she's um, boring. <laughs> It's all the same controversies and the same money. It's boring after a while. And, and so um, my professors, with that kind of challenge of like, where do you come in? I was like, oh, now I feel embarrassed about These older kid poems, because now I'm bored by them. Um, and so there's a lot less kid poems in there now um, through editing. Um, but structurally, it, it felt kind of like a challenge to be like, OK, now where do these poems that were Supposed to be satire about Kim production or persona poems and kind where do they fit now? That I'm more engaged with a more like personal political project of kind of trying to capture myself and uh, an eye speaker in these um, poems that are no longer focused on um, Kim as the subject of ridicule. Um, it was hard to figure out that structure. Um, it came, uh, it kind of hit me one day, um, sort of editing, that I needed to sort of make more obvious that my obsessions with like cameras and looking and the kind of borders. and so um, the poems, of the, the book is divided into like scopophilia, the, you know, um, horror movie, I think. Uh, the feminist film theorist came up with this idea of like the, the mainly the male gaze loving women, the sort of erotic gaze of women and men in the cinematic film. Um, I thought it was brilliant. Scopophilia, and then the the second half of this being scopophobia, being um, like this fear of looking, or no longer wanting to look, cannot look. Um, I felt like that was a, a good way for me to try to divide these poems up, and so I've been looking at him this whole time, so maybe put her at the beginning of this, and then we'll, we'll bring the reader into looking away from her and looking inward, or inspecting inward, um, but also being kind of troubled by that introspection. Um, so that's sort of what I'm trying to convey with uh, stilophobia. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is not even a real word I might have made it up. <laughs> well, for real? That was <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Context! Um, uh,
2: uh, and um, was that structure the last, the very last bit?
3: Mm-hmm. No, literally, I think I came up with it and turned it in for my thesis <laughs> like a long <month> later. Because <laughs> it, was, it was really a, a struggle. Uh, Simone mentions my um, thesis advisor. She was like, you kind of just got poems floating, honey. You kind of kind of try to make them sing, try to make them, you know, find what poems are in conversation with one another. Do they need to be, you know, back to back? Do they need to be um, separated? Find your anchor poems, the ones that you want to start this thing, the ones you think will close. Um, but that sort of the actual sections of being like, okay, now I kind of have seen the dividing line of sort of the writing itself almost chronologically um somewhat um between these kind of two concepts of looking and then being looked at um it did really came like less what is the 11th hour what they say it just came to me very late and it unfortunately that seems to be the story of my life a little bit it's like when i have like a nice bright shiny moment is usually at the very like, last <laughs> minute really it's like i have to turn this thing in <laughs> but it's, because the story, it works. I think it—it's it, um, sort of my favorite thing to kind of talk about, um, kind of the idea of like the motif of voyeurism and look atness throughout the, the um, collection and so on. I'm glad it kind of the structure works its way out, but it's all sort of a mystery sometimes. It's just like throwing stuff on the wall and it just hoping something sticks. Sometimes you just feel like, you know, ooh, that feels good.
2: I know that you um, have been instructed to uh, let this book go because it no longer belongs to you. But since you have this captive audience,
4: mm-hmm. is, is there something that you want
2: readers in particular to notice about this collection?
4: Mm-hmm. Um, I
3: think um, what feels most in, important to me right now with this collection and what I want sort of readers to take away from it is. Um, a sense of like uh, that kind of I'm interested in what's like fiery and biting and divisive and um, feels uncomfortable. I like that kind of play work and doing a lot of that in this book. Um, I think for readers, I really would love them to just stick it through. And I think <laughs> people would do. I mean, he helps. Okay. <laughs> kind of kind of do that. Um, but within here is uh, you know a working class black <laughs> woman who's you know coming into a different a um, different world when she first started this book. Um, that would be me, to <laughs> the third person. Um person. But wanting readers to to feel that sense of like, um, that sense of sort of frustration with um, these kind of conditions of our like, kind of culture right now. Um, we talk so much about culture and discourse and things like that. Um, and while writing I was trying to stay off of Twitter <laughs> and try to stay out of the discourse. But I think there, there's a large conversation to be had about the way we, why do we care about money or celebrity? Why do we treat, you know, black bodies and, and black people differently um, than we do the, the you know white people like there's a lot of murky like race and gender things in here. I think sitting with what's uncomfortable and what's messy and what's cynical is fun for me. Maybe not fun for readers, but I assume it is. Um, I try to make it fun or funny in, in that way. Um, but I'm, not, I'm also on the, the flip side not interested in like solving any problems. Um, that's not what this book does. It doesn't kind of reclaim any of these things um, from the, the clutches of capitalism or the clutches of prejudice. Um, it's just um, making uh, sort of aware or showing the light or turning that camera lens on these kind of dark things. Um, that's really weird to decide how comfortable they want to be um with these ideas.
2: Mm-hmm. Well I don't think this work will leave reader. I am still somehow seeing that as sunscreen smeared Wolfbutt. <laughs> um that image is not going to leave me the lines and images are so I'm um, mm-hmm. cinematic, and I think that this collection is going to live in the bodies of your readers. And you can't help returning to the page because it's like, what wild well, shit is <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, with that, I want to know if the audience has any questions.
1: Opening okay.
4: um, open the book. In back. Um, so first of all, like thank you so much for sharing of you. your poems. and thank you for the like wonderful questions. It's been so great to hear mm-hmm. you like talk in such detail about your work. Um, so maybe a comment in the question, if mm-hmm. um, One is that like I just am in awe of how you both um, like make your lines so. Active like every single syllable has like an active role to play. There's very little like exposition and like you know kind of filler content. But you also like bring a reader with you through you know an argument or a um, or a scene or an idea. I just think that's such an incredible like balance to strike. So that's something I'm really appreciating. Um, My question was uh, we just finished at the market this. putting out a new edition of this book called Black Women Writers at Work, mm-hmm. um, which is a series of interviews with amazing um, writers where many of them talk about critics assuming that all of their work is autobiographical, mm-hmm. and talk about how that like just really degrades the like, expectations of what black women have to say in the world and have to say mm-hmm. about the world at large. Um, and so. That's kind of on my mind. Hearing you talk about how often you were asked where you were in this collection, and I guess I'm interested in whether you feel like that was a question that felt, um, you know, productive for you in terms of like a challenge to explore and add in, or if there are elements of like, yeah, of um, ways that, that that felt like maybe not the
1: most
3: important question to you.
4: Yeah, great question. Um, I think the
3: the challenge really scared me, be, um, sort of the question, mainly just sort of at a personal level, at the time I wasn't ready to write about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a bit of like, admittedly, heightened behind sort of like having fun of being like this kind of powerful jester, making fun of the production. Um, but it, it it did hit me in a in a way of like is this critique of like where where is the more autobiographical speaker you in this collection is that because um, I don't have the authority to you know ridicule Kim Kardashian or is that just a boring thing or just how we teach poetry we kind of are always kind of leaning towards wanting to have like a very confessional style of poetry, um, but I mean my my. My, like, really kind of, like, good instinct is to kind of rage a little bit in the critique of um, sort of the credibility of black women writers. Um, black writers in general. It's like there's always sort of a need to, like, we want you to, like, self-diagnose yourself and get into the nitty gritty of your memories and, and things like that. and. Um, there kind of sometimes feels like, oh, black writers aren't allowed to write what they really want to write. There's a funny um, kind of anecdote that um, amazing writer, Nita Durkid, um, talked about in his last collection of poetry. He had a series, um, I think, of like, um, black, black people don't, shouldn't. How can you write about flowers? Yeah, how can you write about flowers at a time like this? sharing kind of nature of poetry and he overheard like a, a white woman saying like how could she you, you know write about flowers so, like a time like this you know Trina Martin and martin brown and things like that there's this kind of like you get pigeonholed <laughs> into what you're allowed to write about um it's so very funny like after kid writes these these poems and he responds to them like i'm gonna write about flowers i'm gonna write about race i'm gonna write about whatever i want um that I was reading that collection at the same time as writing this one. And it felt kind of important to me to remember that I can write about whatever I want. Um, although, you know, the the kind of challenge of, like, put yourself into the poem, that's more for, like, workshop and learning um, in, you know, in the MFA, try to, you know, challenge yourself that way. But in the back of my head, I'm like, I can write about whatever I want. <laughs> like, I can make my I can make my lines as chaotic as I want, and throw everything at the wall first, and then edit it later. But I'm not gonna, gonna try to like put restraints on myself. Um, but um, I don't think I ever really successfully followed that I followed that line of advice of so like write yourself into the poems. As we talked about, I was still sort of hiding behind tone and and those kind of things and trying to be a smartass um, instead of being tender. Mm. Um, a good tender poet. Everybody talks about a normal or something. I don't know <laughs> even, even the question. <laughs>
2: I think the smart ass is the speaker in the poem. So it's <laughs> <there's> the <stuff laughs> OK, tell the book. <laughs> so much that someone's that, uh, doing to
4: actually be the center.
2: Mm-hmm. Any other questions? I
4: have a question about the process of writing. You could just comment on your I do a lot of short stories just to mm-hmm. look like I'm busy so my wife doesn't make it. <laughs> yeah. But when I write, I write and I write and write and tell. I hate this stuff. And then I have to go away and reintroduce enthusinate a few weeks later. Do you do that or you, can you just Oh, do
3: I do exactly that. <laughs> um, kind of, a lot of times, like, um, I hate saying, like, process my process. I just, like, throw everything down. Uh-huh. Sometimes you, you kind of almost become like numb to what you're writing. If you read too much of what you're reading, and especially during um, the MFA process, you're always reading what you're writing over and over again to the point you hate it. Yeah. There was a part of a point of like, uh, finishing this um, in my thesis, which would eventually become this collection. I hated it. I couldn't read it anymore. I was starting to lose what I found magical about, like, the sonic elements of it. I started losing sort of, like, does this image even make sense? And, you know, nitpicking over commas and things like that. Um, I guess my best advice is to, to let it breathe. <laughs> I was under the gun, I had to like, I had to finish something. Um, and we have the same experience. Um, but there's always a, a, a good thing to do is, like, just never delete or give rid of anything. There are some poems that are like, either like the first draft of it was like the one that nailed it and felt good. And I was like, don't look at it again because you don't want to change it, it feels good, let it go. And there are poems in here that are like 30 drafts each, trying to find different forms, trying to like change how we enter them, like all those kind of things. And so it's like, it's a fun struggle in a way. But I definitely get that feeling of, and I'll probably hate this book you know, <laughs> in a little bit, because I have to read Um What's refreshing is actually having like,
2: people
3: to talk to you about it now that it's out, and so I'm starting to see things that I, I didn't see was there. But yeah, for sure, you kind of fall out of love with your voice or your, your, your ideas sometimes. Um, my um, like one thing is also just like read widely, but weird. Like it helped a lot to not just read poets, but I was also trying to read nonfiction and hybrid work. Um, read lots of different things. Um, you'd be surprised what kind of inspires you to go back to what you, you hated like a few weeks ago. Um, so that's sort of my kind of like <sighs> like haphazard kind of process a little bit with. You know, feeling poems out. I just feel it out a lot of times. So. Other more questions? What are you working at next?
1: Oh, Past oh. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that like a copyright thing, but I've been obsessed with, um, I've been obsessed with Edward Manet's Olivia, that painting um, of the, the, um, the sex worker, prostitute, uh, whatever you call, but I'm obsessed with the me, the, the black man. She was based on a real woman that was in Edward Manet's kind of artistic circle, maybe the love fair, um, this black woman in, in France, and she, she sat in as the model for this maid who was off kind of just, like, looking at the center of his poem. I don't know what that might become. Just been studying this, this painting for months now. Um, so I've been working on writing towards that, because I just find the idea of, um, once again, kind of returning to a, a black female family gaze on a white subject kind of is always going to be something that haunts me, obviously. Um, but I love that painting. Um, uh, but also, I'm just like, kind of like working on tweets. Like, tweets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to tweet. Yeah. Uh, with the poet's very Yeah, yes. with the poet's If they take Twitter from you, I'm, <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I'm just getting good at it. I feel like I just, I just had like, a hit tweet like, a couple weeks ago. This is like one of the few experiences I've had writing where I have like a project in mind. It's not the same project that I started with. Right now, I don't have a project in mind. I just have like little obsessions and I try to write about them, mm-hmm. which maybe one day will turn into something. Feels like the pressure to go on. Like everyone <laughs> I ask is like, what's your next book? Right. <laughs> uh, and
2: I'm sorry I see you. <laughs>
1: But yes, the term yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Any lingering questions in the audience?
3: What was the hit tweet? <laughs> <laughs> oh <my> gosh, I wasn't even that good because I got come out. <laughs> Oh gosh, now I've been forgetting what um, she's writing about. Um, But was writing about sort of um, the uh, sort of the black body in sex work and sexuality. And I just had finished um, Elvia Wilkes' Death by Landscape, which is a great book of essays, lovely. In that book, well, quotes France Fanon, which is kind of problematic. But I retweeted the quote from the book that had the Frantz Fanon in there, and it blew up. I had like 300 hits on it. it. Never happened to me in my life. And then this person with like the no face comes in, was like, you can't be quoting Frantz Fanon. Like, we know not problematic. He didn't even like that somebody. So I had to go in there, and I was like, listen. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I get that like my sources are kind of problematic, but I don't shy away from them. Things very seriously, and I was like I know he's problematic, but his point that I was making towards this this tweet, this viral thread, is still valid, and they just kind of disappeared as people do. But it wasn't even that good of a tweet. I think my next tweet is like about like my mom, because <laughs> like, she's been convinced like Michelle Obama's book came out today. She's like your book can be your book can be. And I was like just messing me up. Publishing industry, and she's not hearing it. <laughs> <She's> so <sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Wow, this is a small poetry collection. This is Michelle DeBomber. She's like, No, 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 you can, we can do it. We can give Michelle DeBomber numbers. And so that's very sweet. Shout out to your mom. her.
2: <laughs> uh, before we let you go to this table and send some books, I'm wondering if could leave us with one last poem to you, but you emphasize yes. yes. um, the sonnet which i love so the, the sonic power of your poems is so clear so open so yeah I mean, any any poem you want
3: to feel somebody like, yes <laughs> this is unexpected and lovely it's it. yeah maybe this one this one always is, um, is in endurance um, for myself Gosh, now I can't do five. Okay, this is the first in the series in here called Black Um, or. Trying to kind of speak to um, the way we engage with race, and so we'll we'll end with this one Black, or even now I eat like a butcher's dog. Even now with this black body is not and that black body is not too, even though black bodies are born, obstetricians noose the umbilical cords and black babies grow to be big and black and decay at the same exact time. And black like eggplant black, like your father's diabetic brother black, and frying eggplant splatter the oil, hit the knuckles, burning like nothing, my mother says, and black don't hurt. But black and hungry and black and thirsty for Kool-Aid and black and drunk as hell, even now with black split between sleeping and fading away with all the black and walking going on around here with all the black and jogging and black feet ashy and too fast strike to match big girls with slippers up in flames and black and running away and sulfur in the kicked up dust. Even now with all the black and selling Lucy's and black and counterfeit and black and moving the hands up and moving the hands to the sides and black and let me see your hands and black and eating and black and I got change right here, sir, and black and let me see your hands. Even though there's black and getting married and still black and black and has a mortgage and still black and black and invested in the future. What future And still black as fuck. And black and race, private school pickaninnies, and still, 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 and still, even now, I, an unremarkable darky, mammy pleasant voodoo queen, I slide back onto my haunches, a great sphinx, turning my Egyptian nose to the moon, and I eat like a butcher's dog.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you like this episode,